23. Uh, I, I got to share one Father's Day story. I'm, uh, I have four kids, and uh, flying with four kids was always an adventure. And uh, so we, I remember one occasion, we're in the gangway, and everybody you know, had a seat, but it hadn't clearly been established who was going to get a window, who was going to get an aisle, who was going to get a middle. And so there was a negotiation going on in the gangway and tears and yelling. And Margie's looking at me and I'm looking at her. And finally, I don't know what came over me. I, I want to say it was inspiration, but perhaps you'll have a different opinion. I, I just stopped us in the gangway. And I looked at uh, the four kids and Margie. I said, well, you guys knock it off. This is a professional airline. There was quiet for a moment. And then as we loaded the plane, here's the kind of stuff I heard. Hey, Dad, is that a professional stewardess? <laughs> Dad, are we going to get a professional Coke and peanuts? It's tough sometimes being a dad. That's, so it's nice that we can be celebrated today. Being a dad is a, a great joy, a great gift. And then, and then, Dad's grandfather life. Any grandfathers here? That's a whole different love, isn't it? The little grandbabies, man, that's a whole different... You know, I used to see those bumper stickers, ask me about my grandkids, and I'd roll my eyes. Come on, ask me about my grandkids. It's pretty... <laughs> Psalm 23. If you've got a Bible, open up to Psalm 23 with me, would you? Had a woman a couple weeks ago, I was we were talking about Psalm 23 because it had great application to her life, and uh, she looked at me and said, Psalm 23, I thought that was just for funerals. You know, it may be the most well-known psalm and the least applied psalm. Uh, it is so rich in truth, and it's, it's so available. It's just six verses. This is a psalm that, that you should memorize and meditate on on a regular basis. The truth of this psalm if you dare to believe it, can change your life experience. There's emotional and spiritual health in the truth of Psalm 23. Sadly, Psalm 23 is on more gravestones than it is hearts. And so my hope today is to remedy that situation for you, maybe because it's so familiar, maybe it's you know stitched on a little plaque on a wall or something, everybody's heard Psalm 23, but I, I want to invite you to consider that this may be one of God's great gifts in the Psalter, is this psalm, because this is Jesus, he is the good shepherd. Remember his words himself, this is uh, from John chapter 10, listen to this, John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd, is not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he runs and the wolf uh, snatches and scatters him. He flees because he's hired, he's not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And that's one of the, the great mysteries of the Christian life. When I came to faith in Christ, I didn't get a letter in the mail, I don't know if you did saying, you are now uh, a saved child of God. But I, I knew something had happened, something had changed. There was uh, what some old saints will call the witness of the spirit in my heart that I was now God's child. And the evidence was that suddenly I wanted to listen to worship music and I wanted to sing psalms to him that I had never had any interest or ambition to do before. Suddenly his word became important to me and I wanted to understand it. So there was, there was evidence in 
in my life that something had changed and now I am his. And so what Psalm 23 does is it invites me to enjoy the favor and birthright that I am his child, that he is my shepherd. The Lord, it's that great Old Testament word Yahweh, just those four Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, the Almighty One, the Creator, the Sustainer of all things. That Lord is my shepherd. And the consequence of that is that I shall not want. Let's just chew on on that for a minute. Uh, I, I shall not want. When I think of our generation, I think of people whose hearts are wanting. I want the right kind of friend. I want the right kind of marriage. I want the right kind of kids. Uh, I, I want the right kind of job. I want the right kind of income. Particularly in America, it, it feels like the whole marketing community is built on creating an ongoing sense of want in your heart. And so for the psalm to begin with this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have to want He's going to be enough, and I can trust him that the things I really need, he's going to provide. The consequence of want, and it's in the water we drink, is a lack of gratitude. I know it creeps in my heart. How many of you, you know, you, you bought that car, and you said, if I could get this car, I'll never want another car any better. And then three years later, wow, you see the new model of that? If if I could just get married, I'll be happy the rest of my life and I'll never battle lust again. How many guys thought that? No. There's things we think, if I just got this ring, if if I just got this house, if I could just get this house, then I'll never need another place to live. Yeah. Max Lucado, I don't know if some of you know Max. Uh, He's a well-known author, writer, preacher out of San Antonio. Here's, Here's the modern version of Psalm 23. This is good, listen. I am my own shepherd. I'm always in need. I stumble from mall to mall, job to job, and shrink to shrink, seeking relief but never finding it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and fall apart. I fear everything from pesticides to power lines and I'm starting to act like my mother. I go down to the weekly staff meeting and I'm surrounded by my enemies. I go home and even the goldfish scowls at me. I anoint my head with extra strength Tylenol. My Jack Daniels runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me and I will live in self-doubt for the rest of my lonely life. You know, it's funny, Max, but it's painfully true. It's the condition of so many of our friends and family without Christ. The, the culture that is providing everything has left people with the sense that I'm, I'm nothing. I have nothing. I shall not want. The key to this psalm is not that because you are God's child, he's gonna overwhelm you with riches and wealth. 
The key to this psalm is that you will suffer all the things everybody else suffers. You will go through all the loss, all the pain, all the diseases that other people that don't know Christ go through. But the difference is you will not go through alone. You will not go through alone. And that's a truth that we have to stand on. It's not a truth that you will be zapped in the moment. It's a truth that you train your mind and your heart to believe. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not dwell in the counsel of the wicked, da-da-da-da-da, but his delight is in the law, the truth of God, and don't miss that, he meditates, she lives in it day and night. These truths, Psalm 23, I invite you this week, don't read any other verses, don't read any other quiet time devotionals, turn off the sermons, well, you can listen to mine again. But otherwise, don't listen to any other sermons. Just stay in Psalm 23 every day this week. I, I would invite you to memorize it, to practice it, to say it. The, the key to the Christian life that you and I long for, Jesus, his own words, uh, John 10. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants, what's this abundant life, Jesus? Where is it? How do I get it? You get it by daring to believe the truth. When Jesus would get frustrated with the disciples, it's interesting, go and just look at the places in the gospels where Jesus seems to be rolling his eyes or, uh -huh. it's never this. Your guys, your doctrine isn't just right or you're not acting religious enough. He's frustrated when they aren't living in the truth. Like the boat, and there's a storm, and it's a real storm, and water's really coming in the boat. And they wake him up, and what do they say? Just like you and I say to him in prayer, Jesus, don't you care? Anybody prayed that one? Jesus, don't you care? So the disciples wake him up, don't you care? He gets up, storm, knock it off. And then he says, when are you guys gonna believe? And I'm just like them. I know, Lord. I believe great every Sunday, and then the storm comes, and I'm like, where are you? How come? Why? What brings Jesus joy? Do you want to bring your Savior joy? Believe his word. Believe his word. The writer to Hebrews 11 says, this is faith. This is what pleases God. In fact, faith is the thing that really pleases him. Hebrews 11. And what is that faith? To believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Well, those are two wonderful things to believe. Believe that God is and that he rewards those who seek him. Believe me, that's the cry of Jesus' heart. In the midst of your loss, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of being rejected and abandoned because it'll all happen to you, dear one. In the midst of that, if you can say, yet I will trust you, that gets the Savior's attention. That makes angels shake their head, shake their head and go, wow, I, I don't know how she can do that. I don't know how she can still believe. Look what she's lost. Oh, that pleases the Savior. 
because you dare to believe the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look what he does. Back, notice that the Lord does all these things. These are not things for you to do. These are truths for you to believe and trust that he's your shepherd. Because he's your shepherd, he will be with you. You will never be alone. You will never be abandoned. Secondly, he will make you lie down in green pastures. Some of you know the, the great book on a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. And uh, sometimes that shepherd said, you know what I have to do with a lamb that just keeps wandering off and keeps getting into the bramble and the bristles and it keeps putting itself in danger? He says, sometimes I have to break that lamb's leg. He says, it gives me no pleasure to cause that lamb pain, but I'm going to make that lamb lay down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why? To restore my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It, it, it's all for his glory, his greatness. But notice what he wants for you, dear one. He, he wants you to lie down in green pastures. Even in the brown desert. The green pastures of his word of his people, of friends who share Christ together, of worship. These are the green pastures of the Christian's life that restore your soul. That's why I come to worship, not because God's up there with a grade book going, okay, good, 260 out of 360, you're pretty good. No, I want my soul restored. I want the green pasture of singing with, with Kyle and the, the team. That, that fills me up. That's like great food to my soul. I want to sit under the word of God. I want to pray. I want to be in the word during the week. That's why you're invited to be in the word because it restores your soul. And this is the one our generation needs so badly. The end of verse two. Quiet waters. I am convinced there's no generation in the history of man that is going to have a more difficult time quieting their soul than our generation. I mean, what technology has done with the cell phone and the iPad and the computer, well, number one, you can't read a map anymore. That's really sad. You haven't memorized a phone number in 10 years. That's really sad. But seriously, what it's really done, it, it's put you in a constant state of preoccupation. And preoccupation always leads to anxiety. Preoccupation is what uh, gets in the way of a marriage so that that man and that wife are in the same room, but they're looking at their technology. They're not really together. It's what makes you keep thinking about work or somebody else or the phone. I mean, it struck me that the, the men and women of Silicon Valley that invented that stuff, they said, I read the article, they said, we're not giving this to our kids. We've, we've designed this so that you can never leave it alone. I don't want to give that to my kid. Man, they were right. God wants to lead you to a quiet place to a place where you cannot be reached, where you are unavailable, where you dare to say, Lord, could you run the world? I've learned I'm not indispensable. 
Isn't that one of the great gifts of when you get sick? You think you're so important to your family and work, and then you get sick and everything still goes. That, that's, that should be a regular part of your walk with God. You, you've got to fiercely find that quiet place, that place where you cannot be found. It might be your closet, it might be on the drive to work, but there's got to be a place where you cannot be found, where you are not preoccupied, where all you're thinking about is the shepherd who loves you and wants to fill your soul. Quiet. He guides me in paths of righteousness. He, he wants to lead my life as I listen to him. And much of the leading comes through his word. That's the gift of this book, that this book gives direction to my life. Lord, what's important to you? Well, why don't you love others as you would want to be loved? All right, why don't you love your wife like I love the church? All right, why don't you uh, train up your kids to know me? All right, so there's some direction in the book for how he wants to live my life. Christians, sometimes we get so preoccupied, I'm praying if God wants me to have this job or this job. Does God want me to buy this house or this house? Sometimes I think God wants to just shout, I don't care, just get to work. I don't care, just live someplace. And then I'll do what matters to me, which is are you loving those around you? Are you humbly serving others in the name of Christ? He doesn't care if you do it at IBM or Starbucks. He just wants you to be his woman, his man, wherever you are. That's his will for you in Christ Jesus, to live in gratitude, to intercede in prayer, to worship, and to dare to believe that he is the shepherd that is leading your life. That's the joy, the Christian life. I've got a shepherd. He's leading me. He, he brings me to places of quiet so he can fill up my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That is, God helps me make good choices. His word will help me make good choices about my life, about my money, about my relationships. It's amazing how it speaks to all the major issues. And then verse four, even when, dear one, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when you go through that place, you will fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Rod and staff, that means protection and direction. Rod and staff, protection and direction. We don't even know the things we've been protected from. We just know when something bad happens. Oh, hey, where were you? Come on. Reading Psalm 23, I got a flat tire on the freeway. What am I supposed to learn from that? Haven't you all said that? Come on. What am I supposed to learn from this? Trust him. Trust him. His rod and his staff, his protection and direction are with you, even in the place you fear. Back to being a dad, I'm in the old station wagon, we're driving through the desert before the days of cell phones. Can you imagine what a frightening experience that is? In the desert, in the old station, in the old station wagon, you know, I don't have a lot of money, I'm a, a youth pastor or something, and uh, you know, we're, we're, the car's, it's not getting its 5,000 mile checkup, you know what I mean? Until something breaks, the car never sees the mechanic. So here we go. We're going across the desert. I had a buddy help me do a tune-up. 
Well, I would come to find out we didn't get all the wires on the right plugs, and you guys know what I'm talking about. So the car's running kind of rough through the desert, and I'm watching the temperature gauge, and it's going, and it's going, it's going. And so it's like, oh, man, this thing's overheating. So I pull over. We're uh, out on the Indian Reservation, not a lot of facilities there. We pull into some kind of little pit stop place, and as we walk by the station wagon, my youngest little Bonnie says, Daddy, what's that green stuff under the car? So the antifreeze is coming out. I mean, that was my worst fear. The car break down in the middle of the desert, and I don't have a lot of money, and I can't get all... We're all going to die right here in the inner <laughs> reservation. And then, so I walk into the place, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you can't help me, but my car, I don't know, I lost a hose or something. And, uh, yeah, there's a mechanic across the street. Really? Is he in? Yeah, I think he's in. So we go over, the guy comes over, looks at my car. Oh, yeah, your thermostat's shot. He just takes it out, says, you don't need a thermostat. Your car's warm enough. Put some, <laughs> put some stuff in and uh, got us to Grandpa's house where we had to go to a real mechanic and find out my wires were what made it overheat. But I look back and I see, Lord, you let my worst fear happen just to show me you are my shepherd. You took care of us. The kids probably thought it was fun. Oh, Dad, that was a fun place, that little Indian deal we went to. What was that? The Lord. The Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear of death is uh, folks' greatest fear without Christ. If you know Christ, you don't fear death. You uh, want your life to count, but death will be a relief, a deliverance, an entrance into the, the next life. So you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That is, even in the midst of challenge and difficulty, you anoint my head with oil so that my cup overflows. What's he talking about? That he will change my circumstances? No, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your loss, he, he will give you grace to experience his presence. I, as a pastor, I've just heard testimony after testimony of people in the hospital facing a terrible diagnosis or watching their loved one passing away before them, and they would just say, time after time, the Lord just showed up. The Lord just showed up. We sensed his presence. It, it's, it's real, dear ones. It's not just something in your head to say to yourself, okay, he's here, he's here, he's here. He shows up. He ministers to your heart. Usually ministers through the truth of his word. That's why I memorize his word, so that the spirit has something to say. His word he repeats to me. He shows up. He'll show up for you, not because you deserve it, because you are his. Isn't that great to know? He shows up because you are his. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake so that even when I walk through the valley of death, I don't need to be afraid. He will be with me. When your time of death comes, he will be there. Again, I've got the testimony of loved ones who were in the hospital watching their husband die and the husband saying, I see family members, I hear angels, I hear music. I've just heard this over and over and over. God shows up in that moment. You will not die alone, child. 
You will die with a receiving party that the lost person knows nothing about. What faces them is darkness and horror. And I could share testimonies I've read of uh, famous people without Christ who cried in horror at what they began to see as they passed into the next life. Not for you. He will shepherd you with loved ones in the presence of the Savior himself. Wow. So, I believe that he will give me riches for my heart even in the midst of the challenges of my life so that goodness and mercy will follow me all my days and I will dwell in his house forever. Dwell in his house forever. One of the realities of life is that we are going to lose things we love. And so you will become a neurotic person if you try to prevent that from happening. Uh, your children will grow up and leave you. As cute and as much as they need you now, don't be fooled. Teenage years are coming when they'll wonder, am I really from your loins? I don't know. And then they go. Uh, we had a little dog. Anybody have a dog you love? You know what that's like? A little cockapoo, 14 years. And she died. And I wept for two, three days. That's just what happens in life. We bury loved ones, children, parents, friends. And that's why the gospel is so powerful. That's why when I read those words in the New Testament, Jesus will make all things new. Romans 8, 28, all things will come together for a good, God-glorifying purpose to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God's gonna restore, he's gonna make sense of, he's gonna refill, I'm gonna understand, there's gonna be joy so I can hold things more loosely. And that's healthy for the things I love, the people I love, and it's healthy for me. And now I can dwell in the presence of the Lord, knowing, Lord, whatever you give, whatever you take, I will trust you. Isn't that the testimony of Jeremiah and Job? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's that place of peace. Doesn't mean you don't care. Doesn't mean you won't still grieve and you won't look forward to the loss. But behind the tears is this confidence. Well, he's not done yet. I haven't seen his best work yet. You haven't. You haven't seen his best work yet. Oh, what he has planned for you. The likes of you. It makes no sense. This gospel is so fantastic, it must be true. And of course, the resurrection of Jesus is like, it's true. It's true. Don't you love that testimony of the Apostle Paul? He says, I was taken up to like the third heaven. Really? There's levels? So I guess I'll be in level one. Margie, my wife, will be at level three. Hopefully she'll visit me at level one. I don't know. But... <laughs> Paul said he was taken up to the third level. Yeah, Paul, tell me, what did you see? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry. 
you couldn't even handle it. You wouldn't get it. It's like I said last week, you know, when I took my little eight-year-old son to Disneyland for the first time, and he was expecting a Chuck E. Cheese, just a little bigger. You know, I mean, Paul's saying, I has not seen nor has it even entered your mind what he's prepared. Dear one, the shepherd is not done with you yet. He's not done with this story. And so today he says, trust me. Trust me. Rest in me. Cast all your worries on me, 1 Peter 5. Cast all of them. Yes, all of them. Finances, school, friends, marriage, kids, all of them. Health, cast all of them on me. Why? Because I really do care for you. That's what he wants from you today. He wants you to dare to trust him. Today we're going to take communion. Did you, everyone get a little copy of the elements? Of course, I got the one that doesn't want to open. Okay. Uh, This simple meal the Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. Isn't that a cool thing to consider? This same simple meal for 2,000 years, Christians all over the planet, all over the generations, remember. Does Jesus love me? Does Jesus love me? Remember what we saw in John 10? The good shepherd loves his sheep. He proves it by laying down his life. So today as we uh, take the bread and the cup, worship team leads us remember that this is the proof of his great love for you let's pray Lord Jesus I I thank you that you didn't just give us words you gave us action you gave us a cross and a resurrected life that we might see what your love looks like thank you Lord Jesus give us faith to believe that you are a good shepherd I pray I pray for that person who's really struggling this morning, that you would help them to rest, to dare to believe you, to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm, I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop trying to control. I'm going to stop being anxious. And I'm going to trust you, Jesus, because that's what you've invited me to do. Oh, dear one, do that. And watch the shepherd bring rest to your soul. Watch him lead you beside still waters feed you with the richest of food. Thank you, Lord, that you hear that prayer, that you long to be a good shepherd for each of us. Amen. Amen.